0: You could see what we need. It's easy for you to look out there and watch us on television and say, "Okay, I see what they need. Uh, they could go get that." That's why I'm excited about tomorrow,
1: but I got to take care today. Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. I'm Mr. Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com. Joined again by football analyst, analyst William Gardner. William, uh, it doesn't feel like we necessarily need a therapy session here, but unfortunately we do have another Colorado loss to talk about. But let's start off with the beginning of Silly Season because it's here officially. Jimbo Fisher out at Texas A&M. Mississippi State's going through a coaching change now as well. Uh, and naturally, Coach Prime's name is is uh, going to come up with the Texas A&M opening, um, and, and Stephen A. Smith threw some fire on that on ESPN. But uh, I will say this. Uh, it makes sense because you're going to get a lot of clicks when you write about Deion Sanders possibly taking a, a job somewhere, but uh, I'm pretty confident I'm not going to be covering a coaching search for for Colorado this offseason.
0: No, I'd be pretty surprised by that. I, I don't think that would be a good fit for him anyway, and, and I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think that some of those – if you'd call them blue blood kind of places um would be going after uh coach prime certainly at this point i don't you know i mean there's there's legit question marks i, I don't think they would i don't know you know um i think he's got to have a winning season to really you know be, be that guy i think they would probably enjoy the excitement uh, you know, that we had at the beginning of the season. But I, I, I imagine there's question marks at this point about him still that need to be answered as a coach before he's just such a hot commodity.
1: Well, it's really a non-starter. Coach Prime, when he lists his priorities, what is number one on that list? Family, right? His family's all with them in Boulder. They can't just up and leave and get eligible right away. I don't know what Shadour is in terms of on pace to graduate, but you know Travis Hunter, he, he acts as you know basically like a son to him, and uh, he right. recruited uh, a lot of these guys that you know went with him from Jackson State to Colorado, and um, yeah, you're not gonna make this move with Shadour going into his senior year, Shiloh going into his last year of college football, Travis probably going, you would assume, into his last year of college football. It, it's just not going to happen, basically. And so I don't even, you can go to the fit, and I agree with you that I don't think Coach Prime would mesh well with those AM boosters. And uh, yeah, so it, it's really not worth spending a whole lot of time talking about, but I know other folks are talking about it, and I feel like we should at least address it on the show. Uh, is there anything else we should talk about in terms of this? I mean, I would be shocked if Coach Prime is not here in 2024.
0: Yeah, I would feel the same way. I think I don't. He, he doesn't strike me as the kind of person, you know, even throughout his career as a player or whatever, he wasn't always, you know, looking for greener pastures or more bucks or whatever. I think he's got everything he wants uh, as a person in this position right here and the opportunity to build the kind of thing that he wants to build. So, uh, like you said, I don't think he can just pick up and take everybody with him and, and, and um, I, I really get the feeling that he likes it here. You know, and I think that matters. I think, you know, there, there's a lot of people on the board that, that think everything's determined by the by the bucks, you know, and pay enough money. I mean, the guy's got more money than he can spend right now. What the, What's what's more money going to make, I guess, except that to some extent, rich people, that's how they keep score. But uh, that's not really who he is as far as I can see. You know, he's not keeping keep a score by the money. He keeps score by the wins and losses, and he wants to win.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah to your point, everybody – that I trust has said that he genuinely loves where he is right now. And the recent losing streak isn't great. And, and, and maybe there are some thoughts in his head of, okay, this is going to be a little bit more challenging than maybe I expected, you know, back when we were three and zero, and that's kind of how a lot of us are feeling. Okay. Yeah. There's been a reality check that that's been served here in the last few weeks. And it, right. it sucks, but it, it's still, they're not that far away. It, it will get into a game against a really, really talented Arizona team that only led at the very last second. So um, they're not right. far away, but it, it is frustrating. And it's going to take another highly ranked transfer class to get get them to that point. Um, I'm curious, William, how, I mean, with this 5430 foundation and the NIL collective, how much of that percentage of that collective money do you put towards offensive linemen going into the, the portal this offseason? I
0: don't know. I mean, I think you got to get out there and you got to talk to these guys. Everybody assumes that every, that everything's going to be decided by NIL money, and that's not always the case. Again, you know, some of these guys aren't going to to, to whoever's got the biggest bag. I, I think you, the first thing you have to do is identify who's out there um, that's transferring, that's in the market, you know, that that's going to be in that market, and decide who you really think is worth going after and good because we don't need the transfers that we brought in last year on offensive line. Okay. We need a much higher level than that. Okay. So you need to identify and, and you know, quite frankly, it's, it, it's not even worth talking about until they get it settled out. Who, who's going to be the offensive line coach and the, and the offensive coordinator and what the situation is going to be there. Uh, Cause you know, that, that's going to make a huge difference and not everybody that goes into the portal is looking for NIL money and, I don't know. Some of them wanna come play for for Prime, I suppose. And and we gotta have to wait and see who who goes out on the portal and who's available first, more than anything else, and, and how it's gonna shake out in terms of how that coaching staff work, uh ends up.
1: Well, just the opportunity at Colorado is really interesting for offensive linemen because yeah. you're gonna be under a bigger microscope than any offensive line in the country. Next season, or and you, they have been this year as well. Unfortunately, they, it's been mostly criticism. But next year, let's say you are ultra confident in your ability as an offensive lineman, and right. you see this opportunity at Colorado. If you guys put together a solid, it doesn't even have to be spectacular, a solid season. That is going to bring a lot of eyeballs on you as an offensive lineman. And and, and really, if you show NFL potential, it could could be a big boost to just your exposure for the next level in those scouts.
0: Right. You know, not not only I think it's also shown quite 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 clearly that the sort of uh, hype and excitement that surrounds Coach Prime leads to NIL possibilities you know regardless of, of the you know collective and everything else is that you you're you're in view so much and as you point out you know if you come in here given the story around the offensive line to see you this year if you're the guy that's going to come in and be the savior a tackle or guard or whatever next year everybody's going to be looking at you it's going to be the story going into next season did see you get their offensive line fixed and if they did how and with who and you know so if they brought in three or four guys that are top level Maybe even NFL prospects. You know, those guys are going to be all over the media as you know critical uh, players coming in. And frankly, this team's only a couple guys. You know, the, the, the statement that there's seven or eight dogs away is still true. I, you know, I, I look at this team, and, and I guess we'll get there, but we're we're so close, and yet if I, uh, it's frustrating to me to see people on the board acting like this is the same old, same old, and it's not the same old, same old. Man, it's a whole different same old. <laughs>
1: Today's episode is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. Is your business looking for financial guidance and support, but not yet big enough to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hiring a fractional CFO who can work with your business on a part-time basis, you get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. And here's the best part: it's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with us. For more information or to set up a meeting, please visit MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y Capital.com. I want to circle back. I kind of transitioned off the A and stuff. One other thing, William, you're going to ask, theoretically, let's say Shadour Sanders could somehow find a way to, to graduate and be able to transfer and play right away. You talk about going to the SEC uh, in a brand new first year situation versus Colorado. You're going to the Big 12. You're, next right. year is going to be the first year of the, the 12 team playoff if they get those seven A eight dogs, they have a very, very, very good chance to be in the playoffs next year.
0: Right. And, and I think also if you're, you know, if you're, if you're out there and you're trying to bring in offensive linemen, look, offensive linemen want to block for great players. Right. And uh, it, it, you know, I don't I off the top of my head, I can't tell you who's coming back as quarterbacks around the country next year, but certainly Shadur will be one of the tops, top 10 of them, you know, and, so if you're if you're a pass protecting uh, offensive lineman and, and you've got a great quarterback behind you that helps you market yourself as well, and I would imagine that Shadur be involved in, in trying to uh, bring those guys to play here, and and I I would imagine that the approach would be entirely different than it was last year when it was all brand new, you didn't really have a team in place, and now you've got a team and you know where to fill guys in where you need where you have the needs um and you know you can bring them in and say look here's your quarterback man you know here's 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 your running backs that are going to be running behind you um now, as soon as you you get nailed down what the coaching situation is going to be you can really get rolling on this
1: all right arizona there are no moral victories during the coach prime era in my opinion but i will say I was more encouraged about CU football leaving Folsom Field than when I showed up, even though it was a loss. Uh what were your feelings about losing to a top 25 team? But also it being a game where you had so many chances and, and for a lot of the, the period of the time you were up on the scoreboard.
0: Well, for all of it, for 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 the whole game, you know, and and, and it's not just like we had this one top 20 game. I mean, it's been three, three weeks in a row against top 20 teams and we've been into the last play against all of them. And, uh, uh, that was a good team. That was a well-coached disciplined team. So I, I think there's a couple things I look at. I think, um, quite frankly, I'm trying to think of the word. I was going to say, you know, there, there were stretches of that game where we, we really controlled the game and sort of dominated, but we just couldn't get over the hump. And then, I guess the story of that game to me is squandered opportunities, you know, because we had the chance to win that thing over and over and over. We just didn't do it. And the thing that stuck out to me at the end, that last Arizona drive was we don't have that guy on defense yet. And everybody's going to say, Travis Hunter, okay, cornerback ain't what I'm talking about. You, you've got to have a guy in the front seven that can take a game over in a situation like that and and, and make it happen. I think Amari McNeil's getting close, but we need a couple of dogs on that front seven, you know, who would just shut that thing down. And, and so what, what really got to me was the squandered opportunities. And again, too many penalties, man. But uh, so there's coaching issues, but, but um, we stood toe to toe, you know, with a top 20 team and a legit good top 20 team. And, 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 you know, for, for 59, 59 minutes and, 50 seconds, one, you know? <laughs> so anybody that doesn't think that this is not a, a better situation and that things aren't looking good,
1: I, I don't know what to tell you. Packling remains uh, an issue for this team. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to look at just some of the key points from this game. There were 17 design runs, which sounds like a very low total, but it's actually uh, an improvement from what we saw the previous two weeks. Uh, better protection overall. Uh, right. Would you Would you grade the O line at like a C plus in that football game? Well, real quick. Again, the problem was
0: a, a vast majority of those designed runs were in the first half, and then we changed our play calling again in the second half, which which is frustrating because, for God's sake,s it was working. Um, uh yeah i would i would say it's cc C plus for for that offensive line i think they did a lot better i think they they moved some guys around and got some guys playing at different spots that we hadn't really seen before um you know and so there was real improvement i thought there was you know a lot, a lot more time for shadour and 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 the ability he, he he did a better job i thought of stepping up into the pocket you know there was one crazy play where um he stepped them into the pocket. I thought he was going to go for 20 yards and the defensive guy came out of nowhere and took him down after only about three yards. That was, that was in the second half. But uh, um, I really thought that uh, some of the, the play calling was innovative and it was different. They got the screens out on the edges that worked. Um, and, and I thought that there was legitimately a different, different mindset to the play calling in this particular game. We, we got the tight end back in the, in the, in the game again. Mm-hmm. Um you know and they really spread the ball out uh zay weaver god i'm gonna miss that guy because man can he play but um i i thought it was a lot better showing on offense and and you know i don't know what was the final it was 34 31 um you know and i don't know i thought it was a solid showing i thought it was a solid showing on both sides of the ball i thought it was a solid showing on special teams, you know, Mark Fassett, Jesus, uh, it, it, you know, he's got to be the best punter in America at the, at the ability to just drop a ball inside the five and let, and have it
1: land there, you know? And um, I was looking for the rankings in terms of uh, punts inside the 10 and the five this year to, to see if he, you know, leads a nation in that. I couldn't find that. I did. He is, leading the pack 12 with 14 punts inside the 20, but yeah, I need to find out where the, where the real in-depth punter stats are out there. Right,
0: yeah. we got to keep that. Some, some kickers, kickers are us.com or something. <laughs> Bill's least favorite com, something like that. But you know, uh, I don't know, you know, there's a lot, the, the thing about, yeah, we've, uh, what do we lost? One, two, three, four in a row now, but um there's a lot of positives. I don't know. Call me a sunshine pumper. I don't care. Call me what you want, but there's a lot of positive things happening. And, and I thought we looked better this week than we did in the previous couple of weeks. And I felt like we came out with fire and, and, um, really did some things. And, and, uh, I don't know, you know, I, I, I think this team's getting closer and they're going to run out of time before they can get there, you know, and, I just kind of wonder if if we didn't have to play uh, four or five – whether one, two, three, four – four ranked teams in the last five games, they would be different. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a bummer that Folsom Field sells out every home game for the first time in a long time. Or maybe even ever, right? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I think it's the, the first time ever. And they go two and four in – one of those games they definitely should have won. And if you look at Arizona again leading uh, or, or only trailing in the final two seconds, uh at Stanford. Yeah, that I mean, that's the game that should definitely should have been a win. This probably should have been a win. You're talking right. probably should have been four and two in front of all those fans. It, right. At the very least, three and three. So that that part of it's definitely uh discouraging.
0: Well, and I get where the frustration comes from. I mean, you know, to some extent there was no frustration last season because everything was over by the end of the first quarter, you know? So like you knew what the outcome was going to be. And so, you know, there's no point in being frustrated, you know, when you, you, you know, you're, you're sending me into the ring against Tyson, you know what the outcome is going to be. So, uh, I get where the frustration comes from and I get where people wanted to hire, uh, you know, a, a better outcome in the first year, but I don't know, you know, I, I, I think, uh, I think I think what we're seeing is reality, and I think it's hard to take 50, 50 plus guys and put them together as a team. But I'm seeing it start to come together in certain areas, and uh, I I think that I think that Dion Sanders is an intelligent man who who looks at things and finds and looks for ways to get better. And I think nobody has to tell him that he has made some mistakes along the way in this first season. He can see that, and I think he'll address those issues and get better uh, moving forward. So, Yeah.
1: Cormani McLean got a shout-out from Kevin Mathis, the cornerback's coach, in one of the team meetings this week. He talked about the maturity uh, improvement that he's shown. Uh, Kind of a mixed bag from him out there. There there are times when he shows some real potential, but also sometimes when – uh, he is just he's thinking too much or th- there's there's some kind of disconnect because there was two plays where uh, he didn't show much of an effort. But then you should see some other plays when he knows what he's doing and he attacks things. And so uh, I, it's probably just going to be a, a growth thing with him. And Jaden Milliner Jones, he almost got a P.I. late in the game, but he's a guy that, man, he continues to flash when he's out there. He's kind of part of their their Third down and long package out there, and he's a guy that you got to be pretty excited about the future. I'm curious, are, are we done with the and Cooper? Because I know he's had some mental lapses. He's so good physically, though. Yeah, it's hard to hard to give up on him, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I don't really understand. I think going back to Cormani real quick, that the one play that sort of sticks out to me, there was one long run. I can't remember if it was a pass or a run down the right hand side. Mm-hmm. And what stood out to me was Cormani kind of went like this at it kind of hit the guy on the back of the helmet made no effort whatsoever to tackle the guy and and I don't know that that you can't have that um now you know that being said nobody else was tackling like superman out there but everybody else was at least trying so Carmani needs to you know he's got to put the effort into tackling and and run support and things like that 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 he does that comes naturally to him in the pass coverage you know with regards to everybody else on the team I gotta admit I don't really understand substitution patterns on this team at all as the year has gone by, you know, some guys play well and then they disappear and then they come back and I don't know if they're hurt or, you know, if they're in the doghouse or or what is going on there. But, you know, I think they got a lot of players at that cornerback spot. So if you're not doing well, somebody else could take your spot in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah. So they really are up against it now. I mean, they, they have to win each of their last two games to, to be bowl eligible. Uh, I can't imagine either of us think our six and six predictions gonna come true at this point. Not with both uh, up the
0: road for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Did the Stanford loss linger with this team? That that was a question that Brian Howell had for Shador Sanders. He kind of refuted that, said that all he remembers about that game is they lost. Um I don't know. It, it's on one level I see how the confidence maybe got taken out of this team a little bit after that game. But you know, the fact that you lead Arizona for most of this game, you know, and didn't get blown out in the previous two games, um, doesn't make it clear if that's still kind of a lingering issue with this team.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, that, that seems like so long ago now and there was a bye week after it and they had a chance to kind of get past it and move on. I, I feel like more important is sort of the, 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 the chaos around what's going on on offense and the coaching and and you know who's who's doing this and who's doing that and um you know I I, I don't know why the offense suddenly fell off I'll, I'll tell you this you know it's like you 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 uh have that Stanford game and then all of a sudden the offense stops working now I don't know what to make of that did they tinker with it too much in a, in the bye week or or what's going on. Um, I think everybody's going to say, Oh, well, you know, were it, were it not for the offensive line. This team would be blah, blah, blah. But I think that's simplistic. And I think there's more to it than that, but uh, I don't know. I don't know that, that I think it took the, the um, competence away from them, but I do think it's been a bigger challenge to mesh together. All these guys from different that transferred in from different programs than everybody thought it would be. Well, I think some some people thought it would be a problem from the start. So, so you know, kudos to them for calling that out. But uh, I do think I see this team feels like it's starting to come together more as a team as the season goes gets towards the ends here.
1: Yeah, it was interesting listening to some of the speeches from players in the locker room that they put up on, on social media. Uh, prior to the game, seniors talking about how I've only known you guys for a few months, but you're my brothers. There was a lot of heartfelt things said, but. I think pretty much everybody that spoke mentioned. I've only known you guys for a few months, but so th- there is that part of it, right? You know, and, and um, for the guys that are going to be back, I, that will be a benefit going into 2024. But you you talked about the offense there, William. I'm curious, can they go up-tempo effectively in the transfer portal era? Because Sean Lewis had that thing humming at Kent State but he was recruiting high school guys that are brought into a system. You develop in the system. You get really good at that system. You come to Colorado and and back to the point you made about guys that that haven't been here very long. You try to implement this up-tempo system. And what do we have? What eight games in, we have a change in the play caller. And we hear coach prime say, after this past game, We'd rather go slow and get it right than go fast. So clearly that was an emphasis in terms of Schirmer taking over was we're not going to push the pace like we were early on with Sean Lewis. Uh, It's kind of an interesting debate to me in terms of you've got this altitude advantage. You'd like to take care of it, uh, take advantage of it. But when you're bringing in players every year from the portal, uh, it's hard to probably implement that. We saw so many procedural issues from the offensive line, you know, uh, with this with this offense.
0: Well, yeah, and and I don't know what the hell happened to uh, Bill O'Boyle, but, you know, it, it, I've never had that problem with an offensive line jumping off sides and, and you know, uh, false starting and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know if, you know, if there's something going on with the way Shadur's calling the, the audibles or the plays or whatever, but, you know, it's just about discipline, and I can afford – I can teach – I can get you discipline, man. I swear to God I can. Uh, they're not doing that. You know, they're not holding them accountable and making them um, – you know, pay a price for not doing it. But, uh, I don't know. I think, I think as you go forward, you're not going to have the same kind of turnover this next year, I would imagine, you know, you're going to have a lot of your primary pieces will still be back, but I don't know, you know, when, when, when we were going fast, it was working, seemed like first few weeks of the season, it seemed like that was working. I don't, I don't know, you know, what happened to it afterwards, but, um, uh, can you do this in the portal, in the portal era? I I think you can, we'll find out, I guess. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think you're going to see very often ever again, maybe um, the, the, the the percentage of a team turned over as, as we did this year. And that maybe is probably way too much. Uh, Fair to say, I think it probably has taken a while for that defense to come together. Same on offense. Um, But that's a lot of people to turn over, you know, how many do you really need to turn over next year? Well, you know, you're going to have to, you know, well, I don't know. Do you need to replace some of these receivers? Obviously, you know, Zay Weaver's gone, but um, uh, some well, of those Martin guys.
1: Miller will be back, and Travis Hunter, yeah, just, and Jeff,
0: Jay Horn. And that wide receiver room are still coming back, and some are pretty good, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: I think they need to find some tight ends and figure out what they're doing with that position. Yeah. Yeah. You know? uh, I like you know, so here's one thing they did is they 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 put Hank Zelenski's in number ninety-two and put him out there as a wing and a tight end and a fullback. Great, man. Where the hell's that been? Because that was really helpful in, in a lot of situations out there. And I thought that was a great move and and really uh, helped us out both in pass protection and run blocking. So, you know, somebody thought thought about that and came up with an answer to it. And um that's what you do in coaching. You know, there's guys out there that you can use in those situations um, in a more creative way and get something out of them, you know?
1: Yeah. They need to keep working on situational football. I was down on the field as Arizona was driving and it's like, okay, on that, on that third down play, Montana Lemoye's Craig is trying to get in the end zone. And you only have uh, at that point, two timeouts left. You got to let them score. They're going to run the clock out. Otherwise yeah. Um, I, I don't know if other people were doing the math, but it was clear that you you gotta let him at that point. It was 135 left. So Shadur would have gotten the ball back with a minute and change left on the clock. Uh and your your odds of winning at that point aren't great, but hey, you you at least have a, a fighter's chance there. Um Coach Prime says they can't get a can't get a yard on, on third and one. They, they tried to go for it at the goal line on one on uh goal line and one yard line, and Shadur couldn't get it in. There was Third and one at the CU forty-four with what was that about? Like eight minutes left in the game? And they call a play action on that. Yeah. I, it's just, that that was the the one play call. I, I agree with you. I thought Shermer uh did some good things in that game as a play caller, but that was the one that that really uh stands out as just not not feeling uh the, the situation, you know. Well,
0: let's go back to that goal line play that you talked about where they couldn't get to one yard when they had you know eight eight heavies up there and, and Zelenskis and the extra lineman and blah blah blah. So what they did was the very next play, they went back to the shotgun and four wides and they spread the defense out and Hank and and as my re- recollection was I think it was Savion Wilkerson just strolled in. Right? So you can do the same thing. Now, you, can, you you know, you put nine guys in the box. They're going to put nine guys in the box, and now it's a, a dick-measuring cha- challenge, and, you know, who can move the other guys? I've never thought that was a smart way to do it, right? But you spread things out. All of a sudden, you got holes and openings, hand the ball off to your running back, and he gets in there with no problem, right? So don't tell me you can't get one yard. It all depends on what plays you call and what you do. To call play action in a situation like that is kind of stupid to me.
1: Shadour Sanders wins the 2023 Buffalo Heart Award. I don't think anybody uh, is going to criticize that selection. He needs just 56 yards to pass Sefo Lufau as the single-season passing yards record holder at CU. I'd imagine that'll happen in the first half out in Pullman this Friday. One thing I I think Shadour does need to work on this offseason is practicing screen passes under duress. They've missed out on some big plays because he doesn't lead the running back and put touch on that pass. I I mean, I I don't even know if I can count on one hand. I think it would be it's closer to like seven or eight plays where that screen pass has been off and it's prevented them from having a a big play offensively.
0: Well, and one one play one play he hit the running back in the the wrong shoulder and he had to spin back around and fall down to catch it. So. Yeah, that, that play works a lot better if you get it out in front of him and he runs into it, so he's running full speed. But uh, there were some times when the play worked, though, pretty well um, out there. And, you know, that it, a, a screen pass doesn't have to get 20 yards to, to be successful. Basically, you just got to open up the defense, loosen things up, get five or six yards. But I, I thought that, you know, when a lot of times when we ran the ball, we were getting four yards, and, you know, four yards three times the first down. Keep doing it. Don't don't get scared of, of doing it. Um So, I don't know, Um, sometimes I think coaches overthink and and, uh, try to be too clever by half and and shut themselves down rather than the other team. I I don't know that Arizona was necessarily shutting us down um, with 34 points in regulars or 31 in regulation. I don't know, I guess that's kind of average for these days, but
1: there was a lot of good things I
0: saw out there, you know. They got the receivers back in the game. That touchdown to Jimmy Horn was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It looked, it looked just That's like when he was back in the summer and he was just standing back, you know, 40 yards and he threw it in a barrel, you know, which is really yeah. what that was.
1: I said after the game in my analysis video with Brian Howell that the officiating was awful, but it was kind of awful both ways. And I didn't really feel like it was a reason that Colorado didn't win. And then I rewatched the game. And <laughs> that play where uh was about five minutes left in the game where Shador gets speared in the back of the head. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I actually kind of want when to change my tune on that a little bit. That ground. that is one of the most egregious no calls. And and Shador was kind of getting hit late all game. Was that, that was that, the one that was
0: Was that the one where he's kind of rolling out to the right, he's on the ground, and the guy comes over the top of him or
1: yeah, it was uh, with five minutes left, and uh, he went down, and then from behind he got hit in the yeah. head, and yeah. uh, he was complaining about that, and they ended up having to use a timeout because Shadour was complaining with the official. Yeah. Uh, now, after rewatching it, I kind of kind of get why he was as well, frustrated you know what, as he was.
0: So one thing that leaps out of le- jumped out of me about that play was that after that play wells and jack bailey were up in that guy's face and then somebody else came in and gave him a business too and i it's about damn time fellas you know that that his offensive line got got up and they were right in that guy's grill and the the ref had to come separate him it's about time that you guys stood up and it's good to see that finally happen at least you know but you know yeah i don't know you know it's like play calling evens out there was one play where they clearly got a first down and the guy's the hit the you know the tackle knocked it backward and they didn't give them the the spot forward. So I don't know. I don't. I don't.
1: It's hard for me to
0: say that that officiating uh, 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 impacts the game too much because it kind of goes both ways.
1: Alejandro Mata it, it, took a little flack, I guess, not too much, but he is nine of eleven this season on his field goals. Did of course miss a field goal late against uh arizona that would have given them a three-point lead late and i am i'll say this william so he's nine of eleven on field goals this year if everyone was effective and as efficient in their job as alejandro mata has been this year nine of eleven see you would have a winning record right now so i get you want to see that go in it was it was just off to the right a little bit but um, I wouldn't beat the kid up too much about that.
0: No, I and, mean, then you know, I mean, he's not – you can't expect perfection from any kicker, and, and you know, their complaint from people seems to be, well, you know, we, we can't kick from that far out. We had plenty of leg on it, and he had pretty pretty close to accuracy. He just didn't, you know, get it – you know, he's kicking from the right hash and didn't get it to the left enough. I don't know, you know, if if if, if, if you're going to bust on a kid because of that kick, I, 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 you know – I guess you have too high of expectations of kickers, and and that's coming for me, man. You know, I, I was going to say
1: you you were the one that brought up Mark Visset's game, and uh, now you're defending Alejandro Mata. This is uh, yeah. This might be the first time on our podcast.
0: Well, I may yeah, maybe maybe the last. I wouldn't you know write this date down, but uh, defending both kickers might even might even include them in the top forty next year, both of them. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> not get carried away, but you know, I I don't think. Look, I don't think certainly our punter hasn't lost us a game this year, but I don't think our kicker has either. And so, you know, and frankly, what you want from your kicker is, is to not hurt you, I suppose, more than anything else. It'd be nice if you, you know, to have, have a weapon like a, um, um you know, I can't remember our, who's our, our All-American Mason Crosby Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby, right. You know, and you kick it from the 50 yard line, but who's got one of those, you know, um, but.
1: Arizona does, that kid. Nailed yeah. that 52 yarder with uh, some room to spare
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's the way it goes, you know, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with, with Mata or, 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 you know, people are, I, I, it was, it was interesting to me, you know, some of those kickoffs seemed to me were, were purposely short because, you know, when, when he wanted to, our guy could easily put it in the end zone because he did. So I'm wondering if they sometimes called those short kicks on purpose for kickoff kickoffs.
1: I don't know. I think I already know your answer to this but he's a guy you mentioned earlier and we really have not talked enough about him. I don't really think anybody's really talked about him. Amari McNeil. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty clear he's their most underrated player this season, right?
0: Yeah, I, you know what? I from what I've seen he he I started he started catching my eye early in the season and he's just gotten better and better and these last couple of games he's been everywhere and I watched the the TV you know, re- recorded it and watched it again. And they were talking about how impressive he was too. And he was doing some great things out there. And I think he's developed into one of the better defensive linemen in the Pac-12 here towards the end of the season. Um, and, uh, well, he's only a sophomore, right? He only got, He's got a couple more years of eligibility left. So he's really developed and he's, you know, he's 305. So he's got plenty of size and, and could really be be uh, a lot better as, as he moves forward. But, um, you know, he, he's he's one of our, best players on that defense and quite effective and, and does a lot of different things.
1: And Bishop Thomas is a redshirt freshman right now. So he'll be a sophomore next year. Shane Cokes has got another year of eligibility. Uh, A couple of the rotation guys, JJ Hawkins and Chaz Wallace have more eligibility too. So it it stinks. I think, I think Taj Alston, Surpassed my expectations for him yes. this season. I thought he's been pretty good, and Leonard Payne lived up to them as well, if not surpassed them. Right. So those are a couple when, pieces that you got to replace, but yeah. they, they do have quite a bit coming back on the D line. I think Leonard Payne.
0: You know, I think a lot of people say, "Well, you know, I didn't see I, a Cokes is overrated; he didn't do that much." Well, you have you have unrealistic unrealistic expectations of what you think a defensive lineman is going to do. Because they're not going to go out there and make 10 tackles in the game or three sacks in the game or or what have you. But uh, these guys have been very active. You know, uh, Payne has been very, very effective in the role that he was brought in for, which is to hold hold his uh, location on on the field at the point of attack. And and, uh, he's been very stout and very solid. Um, but Amari McNeil, I think is going to be a guy moving forward where he does start to get off those blocks and make, uh, sacks and things of that nature and, and create havoc and create fumbles and what have you. So, yeah, I think there's some, he and Bishop Thomas, I think have a very bright future and, and they, you know, they both come from programs back East where, uh, you know, they're playing good football. So I'm excited about having those guys. I, I still think that, they, I still think that you got to go into the portal and you got to find that guy, man. You got to find... Uh, I, I use that term. Everybody hates War Daddy. We got to find one of those guys. You know, one of those three hundred and ten pound guys, one of those Utah guys that can't be played. You are grinning. What do you want to say?
1: I've never heard anybody say anything bad about War Daddy. That that
0: term. <laughs> so some people don't like it on the board. They, they, they okay, seem to take offense at it or something. But we 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 don't have we 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 need better linebackers. Um, but yes. that that being said, you know. I wouldn't say that I think the linebacking has improved tremendously in this second half of the season from what it was early. And they're starting to get a rotation in there, Um, you know, uh, but we need we need some guys up front. Okay, you know, Dominic was starting to come along as a pass rusher and he sort of faded away this week. But we need that one guy on the outside that can really change a game, take it over. You know, we need that one big 310-pound guy in the middle that's unblockable, right? You know, and you, you put him – you put a guy like that in next to Amari McNeil and all of a sudden they both become better, right? Um, we need, we need, we need um, a Nate Lambin. I mean, okay, who doesn't need a Nate Lambin? But you, you see my point. We, we need a couple of those guys in the front seven – they can really change a game, and so you, you talked about putting all of our NIL money into the offensive line. Well, we need a couple of old boys up front too on, on defense as yeah. so. well.
1: Linebacker just, for sure. Yeah, you. Yeah, I will say I. When I keep watching Brandon Davis, Swain, and Eric Branley and their high school stuff, yeah, I don't know how much you want to put on true freshmen, but man, both those guys look like they could step in and help this team tomorrow.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, you know, so another guy that, that has shown me some things in flashes, but he's not consistent is um, Walker um, Arden Walker, who, who every now and then just makes a play. And you're like, okay, I see it. Now do it every time, man. Okay. Yeah. So uh, he's a guy I think that could really come along and make be one of those guys. Maybe, you know, Taj McCoy didn't get a lot of playing time, but, but I liked what I did see of him in practice this summer and so i think he's another one that could be a guy going into his second year that makes a real difference up front you know and we talk about the the transfer portal and and you know it's not just incoming we gotta keep some of these guys here you know Mm -hmm. i I think it's very clear that there's a certain percentage of this team that probably going to be gone you know obviously the the guys no eligibility but but some guys that didn't really factor in um probably need to move on. there are other guys now, like you know, I saw um, uh, was it David Connors, the big offensive tackle.
1: Yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah, yeah,
0: I yeah. saw him on the sidelines, uh, and 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 man, he looks good, and it looks like that looks like that peck is healed up, and he seems to be you know without pain and everything else, and and he's a guy that could be in because you know he's a top level offensive lineman coming out of that Florida program, and and uh, I think he's a guy who will would not surprise me if he takes one of those tackle spots next year. Um, so there's some guys uh, on this team that didn't play a lot this year that I think could really be factors next year. Um, and, and
1: and and you get Tyler Brown. We should mention that. That's basically right. a, a free guy you add to the mix uh, right. for, for next year.
0: Right. Right. So,
1: lots if they just li- if they just do as well recruiting offensive line transfers as they did D-line transfers this past season, that might be a, might be enough. Maybe you want yeah. to shoot well, a little bit higher than that, but
0: And I, and I don't, you know, I'm I'm thinking back on when they when they hired Sal and I'm wondering who who did the evaluations on the defensive line guys they brought in because they turned out pretty good. And then you look at the evaluations on the offensive line guys they brought in you're like, mm, that didn't work out so well did it, you know? But then yeah. I I felt like from the start that Jack Bailey wasn't a guy that could play at this level. He just wasn't big enough. But I don't know, you know, I I don't know what's going on with O'Boyle and and Prime and everything else and all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure everybody, anybody does, but, you know, they got to have a better, you can't just bring in warm bodies this year. They got to be top level guys, man, you know. I mean, I don't, you, not, not you don't have to bring in three starters from the University of Michigan or something, but you got to bring in some top, some top level guys, you know.
1: And we'll have all off to to talk about the transfer portal stuff. There are it's, two games left, uh, starting with a trip out to Pullman. And Washington State has lost six games in a row.
0: Yeah, they are still
1: favored in this game by five and a half points. But you know, William, we're so much more encouraged this week than we were a week ago. Yeah. But if they don't go out to Pullman and win that football game, it's it's going to be uh, tougher from a recruiting standpoint to kind of sell that trajectory of this program. Uh, that this is a game. I don't care if they're they're underdogs by five and a half points. I think this is a game they should win.
0: Yeah, I think they I think they should win this one too. Uh, Washington State certainly uh, a program in a little bit of turmoil right now. You know, losing to California uh, is it, not good, but. Uh, you know, and they weren't world beaters to begin with. So I, this is, this is clearly an, a road game that we can and should win. But I don't know that I, I, I think the sales pitch here is not necessarily what's happening on the field this year, but what, what we need and what you, and, I, and I'm talking to potential recruits. If I'm, if I'm coach prime is like, uh, Adam, here, here's what you can do, man. We're, we're this, this far away. And we need you to come in and fill this spot. We, we put you in that spot. We get two or three other guys. And all of a sudden we're going to the playoffs, right? You can still sell the vision. And if anybody can sell a vision, it is it, Deion Sanders. So I don't know that the results on the field necessarily, certainly it's easier. All right. I, I give you that, you know, you got seven wins. You're going to, you're going to go out there and go, Hey man, 10 wins next year. No problem. Right. But you still have the vision and, um, as as we've both said in this podcast,
1: we're closer to people think, man. Well, if you're recruiting me, I wanna know what the NIL package is because I <laughs> I'm I'm about that Ruth Chris Steakhouse life.
0: <laughs> yeah well you know uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna get you a uh what, what's that what's that what's that Car that got the boot on it for Shador, uh the, the rolls royce here's your here's your rolls royce you'll be the you'll be you'll be the uh, highest paid um equipment man on in football
1: well in reality i could give you maybe one play and then my body would break and that would be right. it so. right. Right. <laughs> all Brian. right william i appreciate you for taking time out what were you gonna say no, I, I, you know, I think I, you know,
0: I'm, I'm seeing, I think there's a lot of people second guessing and, and, you know, in a lot of, a lot of people saying, throwing, throwing shade at prime and things like that. And I don't know, I see some people on the board talking about, you know, he needed to be humbled and I don't agree with that. I don't, I think that's garbage. Um, he is who he is, you know, again, you know, going back to his, his, saying for it is you know if you're if your insecurities are threatened by his self-confidence that's on you that's not on him but uh I think he's learning lessons and and uh finding some things out I think he is who he is and he's always been who he is and I love who he is and that's what makes it exciting you know without without his swagger and and self-confidence we don't get those um three first weeks of the season with, with all the shows coming to our campus and everything else so uh um it's easy to point fingers after the fact but you know what most people thought this was going to be a tough season to begin with and it's turned out to be that way and for some different reasons than I think what we would have expected going in uh, but there's been a lot of positives too and you know you know so, somebody was talking about is like 2018 well man you know, we're playing ranked teams and we're hanging in till the end. I'm not talking about moral victories. I'm talking about real tangible improvement that's visible on the field. (laughs) You know, I guess if if you're the person who's only going to judge this thing by wins and losses, I guess it doesn't live up to expectations, but there's more to it than that for me, you know, And, and I see the improvement and I see the growth and, and I see that we're not that far away from being really successful.
1: And no coach could attract talent to Boulder the way that coach prime is going to going forward. So I think part of it is just some of the emotions of game day, you know, folks are emotionally invested and that's a good thing. You know, there was a lot of apathy that we saw on social media and our message board last year, you know, it was, it was brutal. And, um, you start out 3-0 and this season and expectations change. And so I, I understand why people get frustrated. But you, you start yeah. to kind of see a difference, right, William, whereas like maybe a couple days removed from a loss, you start to see perspective set in a little bit more. You're yeah. always going to have those haters and those trolls out there. But, you know, the people that are really invested in Colorado football, I think uh, I haven't seen too much of – of uh, an outrage towards coach prime and the staff they they simply just want to see uh you know some better clock management here and they want to yeah. see you know they want to see well the one thing i've seen a, people take issue with is the fact that coach prime won't talk about the play caller situation but even as a media member i understand what he's doing is he's not trying to hurt sean lewis's chances at another job right and he took sean lewis you know moved his family out to, to Colorado for this opportunity he's not gonna run him over with a bus you know right. so I kind of get why he's being vague with that stuff
0: but right. and, uh, and there's got to be more that's going on behind the scenes there that we don't know about yet um
1: no well, there is because he flat out said that he said you guys don't see everything that right. happens right behind closed doors and you hear rumblings I, I kind of have an idea what what went on it's not my place to talk about it but uh, you know, it just it didn't work out. It's it's unfortunate. I um, mean, yeah. credit to Sean Lewis in Bill O'Boyle. i I'm, you probably don't want to do that, but uh, they're still they're coaching these guys. You know, well, they they haven't give up given yeah. up on the guys.
0: They're professionals. I mean, at the end of the day, they're professionals, and and I respect that because God bless America, man. We we have not always had professionals on the on 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 staff in the last five ten years. Okay, and we we you know I'm pretty sure both of us would come up with the same name first on that list of unprofessionals but you know when things don't go your way you still have to do your damn job and do it as well as you can and as hard as you can and I was impressed by that watching the watching the, the team on Saturday you know that all those guys were out there and and sometimes you you feel disappointment bitterly and you know in my day job man you know I don't always get the ruling that I want from the judge but I still got to step up there and do do what I got to do right but I think that uh, to some extent, Coach Prime was the victim of his own, you know, uh, uh, success in terms of expectations um, early on and moving forward. But uh, I'm excited about it. And, I, and, I, and I, I do think that moving forward, he's going to learn a lot of lessons from it. I, I think there's, there was something I was going to gonna say, and I, it, it skipped out of my head. But, you know, people talk about game day coaches, but I still remember distinctly all these years later, how frustrated I used to be at Bill McCartney. And I, I know of it. at some point, one point in his career, he's just stopped wearing the heads, headphones and, and let the assistants do the thing, but he was not a great game day coach either. Um, and I, and I think that that coach will learn some lessons in this and get better at it because he's a guy who applies what he learns and, and doesn't make the same mistakes over and over again.
1: Well, let's hope next week's a, a winning recap, right? Because, uh, yeah. Holma is not my favorite place to travel to. It's going to be pretty chilly out there. Fortunately for now, it looks like it's going to be dry. I feel like the last number of trips out there have been sleek coming in sideways, and it's been just uh, miserable. So uh, it's going to be pretty chilly, though. It's going to be high 30s. So, you know, these kids from from the south probably aren't going to love that. But uh, hopefully uh, they get some momentum going early in the game, and that, that keeps them warm on the sideline.
0: Yeah, it'd be nice to be kind of, you know, I remember back in the in the – Late eighties and early nineties we we became one of the most feared road teams because we had an attitude. It's like we're gonna come in there and and you know, we're not gonna be pushed around because it's your stadium. We're gonna make it our stadium. And I'd like to see them start getting an attitude like that.
1: Would you like to warm up before games in cold weather with your with your shirt off? Is that how you'd prepare for those cold weather games?
0: Oh no, man. Uh, not not me. No, I don't I'm not gonna be wearing the shorts out there like some some idiots and all that kind of stuff. <laughs>
1: I'm not going to be wearing shorts out there in Pullman either. I'm excited to go cover that game. And, and again, hopefully uh, we have a positive recap next week. William, uh, appreciate you. uh, Good stuff and uh, a little less depressing than it was a week ago.
0: Yeah, it's getting there. You know, everybody got to just hang in there. And, um, you know, I think we said early in the season that that the big difference – this year is that you have hope that it's going to be different and better moving forward in the future, you know, and certainly there's, there's things that you can raise questions about and have concerns about, but um, I think you still have to feel like, like we're on the right track and, and we're going to get some guys in here. that are going to make a difference and uh, really get this thing going. I, I, I still think we're ahead of the schedule, you know I mean? You know, Jed Fish down there at Arizona's in year three. And then and what was he? 1-11 in year one.
1: I mean, and five and seven year two. And it, yeah.
0: and, and it, and it was an ugly one and 11, you know, so look at us as by comparison. And and I think we're, we're you know, we had, a, we didn't have to go through that in year one. And well, I know what I was going to say earlier is like, like, you know, and I want to ask you what, if you think this is correct, do you think there's anybody else? If I, I was thinking anybody else we could have hired for this spot would still have half of last year's roster on our roster, if not more don't you think? I mean, nobody could have really brought in as much talent as Coach Prime did to turn this thing around.
1: Yeah, because of the situation that Colorado was in, you know, you could be a really, really good coach, but you're not going to have the fame of Coach Prime, and so you're not going to be able to turn over a roster. You're not going to be able to create uh, the buzz that you know got a lot of these guys that decided to transfer in uh you wouldn't have that with another coach so yeah no you would have and maybe some of those guys would have been pretty good players but I'll tell you man looking at the guys that transferred out of this program, most of those guys are not having much success with their new team this year so um th- it's pretty clear why coach Prime did what he did and it's right. based on the results of what those guys have done at other schools kind of been been proven out that you know they weren't power five level winning players. So not, and then that's a mean thing to say for each guy individually, but uh, you just haven't seen those guys go elsewhere and have big impacts.
0: Right. And I think, you know, the whole, you know, the whole, I'm, I'm bringing my luggage and it's Louie comment got blown up. And, but in reality, the, the point that he was making was I can't win with, with the guys they had on a staff on a, on a squad last year. And, you know, it, it, and, and there's a, there's a huge element of truth to that. And then a lot of the guys we we're talking about, in this podcast today, you know, our guy, you know, I mean, guys that were brought in, you know, Amari McNeil and guys like that, and uh, I can't think of anybody else that, that that could have done that and not been, quite frankly, you know, I, it would have been better in last year, but not
1: by a lot. So you put another transfer class, not as big, but again, those seven eight dogs. That's that's what the the key is going to be for this off season. So. Right. Uh, We'll get there and and we'll have many, many, many discussions during those long offseason months about the guys that they're going to bring in. It still is an exciting time. And uh, again, we got to get another win, though, because I don't like uh, ending a season covering a losing streak. So we'll see if that that happens out in Pullman. Thanks, William. And thanks, everybody out there for tuning in.